comrades, and welcome to the Sunflower Socialist Podcast. As of the time of recording, it is October 9th, 24 days until the election, and oh boy, we are going to be in for a bit of a nightmare from the looks of it. Already, it appears that Trump has said that he may not willingly cede power if he loses the presidential election, which is a very, you know, I'm not going to say unlikely scenario. It's I'm not putting too much faith in the polls, but it is very possible that he will lose. And if he does, he is already prepared and already gearing up his arguments for why he will not accept the results. So today, I just want to talk about what do we do if Trump doesn't step down, if Trump challenges the results, and what do we do if he tries to stage what would effectively be a coup? This is not an episode I ever thought I was going to have to make, but it is one that I think we really need to talk about. So Trump has already said that he is prepared to effectively reject the results of the election, and he's come up with a myriad of excuses as to why he does not believe that election results will be legitimate, that if he loses, he will go ahead and start claiming, as he already has been, that mail-in ballots are fraudulent. People are getting multiple ballots, and they're voting multiple times. There is a high rate of fraud. None of this is true, by the way. Multiple investigations into this have been done. There is no evidence of mail-in ballot fraud in the United States. It's just not a thing that is a problem. Yet Trump is making it out to be a big problem, not because he thinks it's real, but because the argument will give him a footing to stand on to reject it. And what's more important is that his followers, his supporters will believe it. And that's the concerning part. And what they're already saying is that there is going to be a much larger percentage of Democrats and independents who are voting by mail than of Republicans. And this will likely translate into a delayed result for Joe Biden. On election night, we are going to see the initial early results come in, possibly giving Trump an advantage. And then in the days to follow, Joe Biden could pull ahead. And that will just give fuel to Trump's argument saying, oh, clearly this is being rigged. This is, you know, illegitimate. And he'll just try and dismiss the results outright. There is already going to be a long protracted legal battle that is being set up right now about the mail-in ballots. I expect that we're going to see massive recounts across the country disputing these mail-in ballots. And that could be a problem if it goes according to the systems. But the thing is, Trump does not believe in institutions, and I don't think we should either. But... Trump is less likely to turn to the institutions to make it happen and is more likely to turn to his base to make his side more powerful. We're already seeing that with his call for right-wing poll watchers, for the Proud Boys to go out and watch the polls and things like that. That is very concerning, and that is going to effectively serve as a deterrent. We are going to see voter intimidation on Election Day. Many people are not going to be voting by mail. In many places, the mail-in ballots have already been sent out, or it's too late to request a mail-in ballot. People who have not gotten one, they're going to have to vote in person, and we're going to see poll watchers, or what they really should be called intimidation squads, of Trump supporters outside the polls trying to scare away Democrats, minorities, and young people from the polls, and that is concerning to everybody. So the first thing that we are going to need to be prepared to do is we're going to need to be prepared to counter these intimidation squads who are going to be there trying to suppress the vote, to turn people away, to challenge the results as they're being cast. We're going to need to be ready to go on November 3rd, not just the day after. So we need to be there in our own numbers to counter these right-wing thugs and effectively set up our own poll-watching operations. I know there are some left-wingers 
even moderates and centrists who are preparing to do this now, often with much greater legal legal education on these matters, who are preparing to watch the polls. And I think we need to be prepared to get involved with these things and watch the polls ourselves to prevent right-wing intimidation on election day and among advanced voters and during the vote counting. We're going to need to prevent that at all costs. But what is going to happen the day after? And that's where things are really going to get messy. Trump is already prepared, as I've said, to dispute the results of the election and will effectively just decide, no, I'm not going to hand over power to Joe Biden. Because the thing is, in the United States, the presidential transition is largely governed not by laws, constitutional rules, or by court rulings. It's determined largely by norms and traditions. And that means that these things that every president has done since George Washington and all the traditions that have been added ever since, they're not legally binding. It's just something that the presidents have just done. The thing is, Trump doesn't respect those norms. He doesn't play by those rules. And that's you know, something that works to his advantage. And we cannot expect liberals who put all their faith in these norms and traditions, we cannot expect their strategies to prevent that. He's not going to have a law to turn to. Biden's not going to have a law to turn to to effectively mandate that power be handed over to him. He may have a bit more of a legal advantage there, but there's not much he can do to really force Trump to act on it. So in addition to the ballots and the results being challenged, handing over the reins of power are going to be a nightmare. We are going to see a protracted legal battle around this. The courts are going to be going nuts over this. And we are going to see what is, in effect, a constitutional crisis, if not an outright coup. And we are going to need to be mentally and politically prepared for this, because I think this is probably the most likely scenario the day after Election Day. So Trump loses the election. Let's say all goes well with the recounts and the ballots are counted and he still loses, even if some are dismissed, he's still going to dispute the results. And that is where things are going to get really concerning. And we don't just need to be worried about Trump at that point. We need to be worried about his supporters, his diehard base, the QAnon crowd in particular, because the thing is, these people are violent and they are ready to defend what they see as Trump against this globalist elite, this cabal or whatever the hell they call it with their lives, and they're willing to kill for it. We've already seen that QAnon and this far-right milieu are ready to kill people, to kidnap people, to do whatever it means to get their way on this, even if their entire worldview is delusional. We just saw the other day, it came out that a group of militiamen had planned to kidnap the governor of Michigan. This is the kind of stuff that we're talking about, and that's what we need to be prepared for. We cannot expect to put our faith in norms and traditions or even institutions and laws to keep Trump from just seizing absolute power after Election Day. He will make an attempt to defend his power, his position, at all cost, and we need to be ready to counter that, and we can't just turn to the institutions. So there will be legal battles. There will be battles in the Congress and the Senate and in state legislatures regarding how electoral votes are being counted, how they're going to distribute those. But we cannot put our faith in these institutions because they are political actors. They are not, you know, they, there, is no, there is no invisible referee in politics. There was a great article in Current Affairs magazine that kind of pointed this out. And the thing about it is Trump doesn't play by those invisible rules. 
as I've said before, he doesn't abide by the norms and traditions. He does whatever he wants. And so we can't put our faith in those things to stop him either. So what do we have to do to stop him? Will the court stop him? Maybe, but I have my doubts. And even if the courts did rule against him, there's no way to say that he would simply abide by that ruling. So what do we do then? Uh, and if we look historically to previous constitutional crises, we've seen that there are a handful of ways that these usually get resolved. One way is by the courts. Admittedly, the courts just rule against one of the parties in, you know, involved and they move on. I don't see that happening here. For one, the Republicans have a majority on the Supreme Court. And if they are successful at replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg before the election or even, you know, right after, that will make it much easier for Trump to get his way there because they will know where their bread is buttered. And they're not going to, they're not going to let Trump be forced out of office when he's the one that appointed them effectively to do this for him. So I think that we cannot trust the Supreme Court to stop a Trump coup or resolve a constitutional crisis like this. Can we turn to the Senate? Nope. I sincerely doubt that. McConnell might be persuadable if Biden made him a very, very, very generous offer, like how he would say McConnell would get to pick all of his Supreme Court justices or something like that. But no, I do not see I do not see Mitch McConnell, who has been a very Machiavellian actor in American politics for decades now, trying to stop a Trump coup. I just don't see that happening. So yeah, we can't really put our faith in the legislature there. We can't put our faith in the courts. So what can we do to stop it? And that's the other way that coups like this have been stopped. And that is through mass mobilization in the defense of democracy. And we've seen this time and time before. Coups have been prevented, both good and bad, by mass mobilization in the streets of the masses, often even by disparate political forces who may not even like the government in power, but they mobilized anyway in defense of democracy. We saw this in France in the 1960s, where the masses mobilized in defense of de Gaulle. You had socialists and communists who hated Charles de Gaulle, who thought he was an authoritarian, but they mobilized against this right-wing military coup to prevent him from being forced out of power by someone who's even more extreme, more right-wing, that was trying to defend the French position in Algeria. And they stopped this coup in the 1960s. Uh, we saw this in Argentina. We've seen this in most recently in Turkey, when there was the coup against Erdogan, which admittedly that has long-term been very detrimental to Turkish democracy, the fact that it was Erdogan stayed in power. But we saw left-wing democratic opposition forces like the HDP, like Kurdish groups, they mobilized against the coup, they effectively in defense of Erdogan to prevent a military takeover of the country, and they were successful. Now, long-term, this has meant Erdogan has been able to crack down on them. There, very recently, 84 HDP members and elected officials have been arrested, and many more have been in jail for years now as a result of the purges that have been going on in Turkey post-coup. But, you know, they were, the point of the matter is, these forces were still able to mobilize quickly and effectively to prevent a coup against the nominally elected government. And so that is the main point that I'm getting at. 
the day after election day, November 4th, even the night of the election, we need to be ready to take to the streets and we need to be mobilizing now. We need to be coalition building and networking and getting our forces together to prevent a Trump coup on November 4th or in the weeks after the election. Because if we don't, we are going to be behind the curb the day after the election. We are going to be caught with our pants down and Trump is going to be able to just hold on to power almost indefinitely. So how do we do this? Well, the first thing we need to do is right now, if you are in a group, uh, any political group or political organization, you need to get reach out to your group's leadership. Or if you're in the leadership now, you need to just do this yourself and you need to start networking and organizing with other groups in your area that you can form coalitions with. So this means everyone from moveon.org to Black Block Anarchists. We need to get all of them out and ready to go on November 4th and in the days immediately after. We're going to need days of sustained protests. Usually stuff like this will only take a few days if successful. You know, I'm not going to be too optimistic that we can sustain this uh, too long, but we need to get a massive mobilization the day after. We're going to need to shut down cities. With any luck, we might be able to turn to organized labor and have them be prepared to call for a strike, a general strike the day after. Maybe the AFL-CIO will take the leadership on this one, but regardless of where the unions go on that one, every single group that you can get, Black Lives Matter, MoveOn.org, Our Revolution, the Green Party, you know your local Democratic Party, every single organization, chapter, collective, anything, you need to get out there now. If you're not in a group, find a local group, get plugged in now, and help get them organized for the day after the election. Because we're going to need to build a mass-based movement. We're going to need to get everybody out into the streets the day after. And I suspect it will be ugly. And that gets me into my next thing. We're going to need to be ready for this to get messy. Because the Trump base, they're going to rally even faster. And they're already prepared for this in their minds. They are already thoroughly convinced. The most hardcore of the Trump base, who are not an insignificant number of Americans... They're mobilized, they're organized, and they're ready to take to the streets if Trump, if Trump loses because they're already convinced that Trump is not going to lose this thing except by electoral fraud or some quote-unquote deep state conspiracy. God, I th- these people are insane. And the thing is, these people are violent. The QAnon crowd is incredibly violent. We need to be ready for them to come at us They're going to say that we are satanic pedophiles or some crazy like that. And they are already mentally prepared to employ violence against us, to employ violence against everybody from the never Trump Republicans to anarchists. These are the kinds of people that say things like you loot, we shoot. They already have it in their minds that they are going to need to use violence to stop what they see as a threat to their way of life even though their whole worldview is totally warped and unrealistic and based on some troll on 4chan, they are mentally prepared themselves already to go with the most extreme kinds of force that we can imagine. And a lot of them are armed already. So we need to be ready for them to be counter-mobilized. And the only way that we can keep them from going at us, from beating or killing those who are opposed to such an action is if we show up in massive numbers. You know, that's the thing. At the end of the day, the only thing that can stop this right-wing backlash, that can stop the 
you know, the far right from mobilizing in support of Donald Trump is if we have the numbers to dwarf them. We need to be 10 to 1 to stop them and to stop Trump. And we need to be across the country, in every city, in every town. We need to be out in the streets. And we need every single organization to be on our side, to get out there, to mobilize their people and get them to the forefront of these protests so that we can stop this when it comes down. Because I think that this is going to happen. I think that Trump is going to try and stage what is effectively a coup after November 3rd. So especially if you're a DSA member or in a DSA chapter, you need to be getting the rest of your chapter aware of this, cognizant about this, and you need to be going out and reaching out to other groups in your area, building a coalition with every single political organization that is opposed to Donald Trump and saying, if this goes down, regardless of what our big issues are, whatever our disagreements are, we need to stand firm and we need to stop a coup from happening. So we need to be mobilizing, networking, and organizing right now. And win or lose, we will need to take to the streets in November, on November 4th. But I suspect that if, you know, if Trump loses the election, we're going to need to take to the streets even faster. Regardless of what Joe Biden says, regardless of what the Democratic leader said, say, oh, wait, we need to wait for the full results to come in or let the courts bear this out. No, we cannot rely on institutions or recounts or anything to stop Trump from seizing absolute power after November. We need to take to the streets to stop that now. That's what's going to have to happen if Trump loses in November. The one thing we are going to need to be aware of, though, is that a lot of liberals, I expect Joe Biden to be, to act like this after the election, after election day, they're going to say, oh, we just need to wait for the full results. We need to put our faith in the courts, our faith in the legislature. We need to trust the system. We need to uphold the norms and procedures. But the thing is, those, if Trump tries to seize power by negating the election results, by trying to stage such a coup, the norms and the procedures will have already failed. And that's why I think that liberals are at a distinct disadvantage on November 4th and socialists are at a distinct advantage on November 4th. As socialists, we know that traditions and norms and things like that only exist to uphold the status quo. They only exist as long as we say that we believe in them. Trump doesn't. Trump will ref openly refuses to acknowledge them and abide by them. And we don't care about them either, but from the other way. Because our the core of our politics and our political strategies are based around collective action, participatory democracy, and mass mobilization. You know, that gives us a very distinct advantage because those are the only things that we can rely on to really stop an attempted coup by Donald Trump. So we are going to be at a distinct advantage in being able to mobilize more effectively than the liberals can and call for mass action much quicker than a liberal group ever could. We can get those liberal groups behind us and we'll have to make them part of our coalition, but we can't just let them dominate the strategies and dominate the, the methods that we use because we cannot rely on such institutions to stop a coup. Institutions have almost never stopped coups like this before. You cannot rely on a legislature or a court to prevent a seizure of power that is extra legal. It just, it has almost never happened in history. I, there may be some examples somewhere uh, that I have not yet found, but the only thing that can stop such a political power grab like this is mass mobilization and collective action. And we're going to need to be out there on the front lines. And that is the socialist bread and butter and we are going to be in a great position to be able to lead on November 4th and November 5th and the weeks after 
to prevent a coup by Donald Trump. Because the liberals will not work. And I think that many liberals may get dissatisfied with what they're going to hear out of the liberal leadership, out of the liberal establishment, out of people like Pelosi, like Biden. They're going to say, oh, we just need to trust the system. We, you know, we just need to take, you know, take the word of the courts and follow them. No, we cannot do that. And the people know that they can't do that. I speak to voters every single day, and so many of them abhor Trump more than anything else. That is their number one reason for voting. And they are not going to just sit back while Trump tries to seize power. And they are, and the liberal leadership is saying, oh, we just need to trust these systems and institutions and norms. No, these people are not going to stand up for that, they're going to say, we need action now. So socialists are going to be at the forefront of this action. We're going to be taking to the streets first and foremost, and we need to be on the front lines first thing in the morning on November 4th, hell, even on the night of November November 3rd, and ready to go, red flags held high, arms linked, more or less. You know, we The pandemic still is very real, so we do need to be taking precautions for that. But we need to be on the cutting edge of this action, we need to be taking the initiative now because we have the advantage here. We hardly ever have the advantage in American politics, but right now we have it. And so we need to be organizing with other groups who see things like we do strategically. We are going to have to take the initiative here because I don't think we can trust the liberals to do this. The liberals will follow. We can, If we rally in support of democracy as our core aim, the liberals will follow. And we're going to have to be willing to put our bodies on the line we're going to have to be willing to, you know, occupy public spaces. We're going to have to be willing to block streets, to get arrested, engage in civil disobedience. I personally would recommend that, you know, for every dollar that you are donating to a candidate right now, you match that with the donation to a bail fund or something like that, or start setting up your own bail fund right now. Start saving for, to get yourself out of jail. If you think that you are going to have to do civil disobedience, start prepping yourself up for that. Because we're going to need to block streets in front of courthouses, we're going to need to block streets in front of election offices, and we're going to need to effectively occupy these spaces to prevent right-wing provocateurs and organized militias from seizing these places, from trying to take them over themselves to prevent a, you know, to stop what they see as a stolen election or anything like that. We're going to need to be ready to put our bodies in the line, and we'll need to be prepared to to take some to take some hits as well. I'm going to be blunt. I've said it already. The QAnon folks, they're violent. They're mobilized. They're they are not so much organized, but they are psychologically prepared to use violence, and they have weapons. The Proud Boys, too, they're another one, and they are already saying, you know, November 4th, we go out and beat some leftists. We're going to need to be prepared to, you know, to defend our comrades if need be. And I'm not saying I am not advocating for armed protest here, but I am saying we're going to need to rely on our strength in numbers. We're going to need to be prepared to have medical support if needed for people who take beatings or even get shot by the right. The more people that we have, though, the less likely they will be able to come at us and defeat us. So that's why we need to have, you know, 10 to 1 their numbers. We need to be far more organized and far more prepared than they ever could be to protect ourselves, to protect our comrades, to protect democracy from this coup. We need to be ready for this. We need to be prepared for anything to come at us on November 4th and the weeks after. You know, we're going to need to be 
we're going to, every single one of us, every single person listening to this podcast, every single person listening to any other podcast that is discussing this, every single person that is going to be voting for Biden or voting for a third party or who just despises Trump, they're going to have to be out there on November 4th and the days after defending democracy from this coup that I think is going to come. Because Trump has already made it clear he is prepared to reject these election results. And there are a large number of people who are behind him. His base is extreme. Let's be real. His most dedicated supporters, and there are a lot of them, they are extreme. These are the QAnon crowd, the alt-right, the militias. These are the kinds of people that are at the core of Trump's base, and they are they follow Trump to the extremes. They will, If he says jump, they will say, how high, master? That's the kind of thing that we're looking at with this Trump base. And we need to be prepared for them to come at us. We need to be prepared to defend ourselves from the police as well. And we need to be ready to mobilize. And we need to get every single person out there. I would also add, keep in mind, we are still in the midst of a pandemic here. We're not getting a vaccine before election day. We're going to need to be masked up sanitized, social distance as best we can, and, you know, stay as safe as we can in the wake of this pandemic. Because, you know, this pandemic could be a, could just make it harder to mobilize, but we can't let it. So we're going to need to take whatever precautions we can to stop this, to stop this coup and to stop the spread of this virus among ourselves. You know, that's the kind of thing that we're facing here. And... I don't like being I don't like being this dramatic. I don't like being this kind of person. Like I'm I personally do not believe this will escalate to a civil war. Uh I just don't see that happening, but I do think that we are going to see a lot of civil unrest in the days after the election. We need to be prepared for it. We need to be at the front line so we can take a leadership position so we can mobilize these these forces, these actions in a positive direction and Make sure that they are disciplined and make sure that they are effective. Yeah, this is a pretty dark episode, I'll admit. I, I didn't think that I was going to be making an episode this dark. That's what, But that's what we're facing right now. We are facing a very serious threat to fundamental democracy. And the United States is absolutely a flawed democracy right now between things like the Electoral College, Citizens United, gerrymandering, voter suppression, uh, all these things. We need to... You know, we need to acknowledge the shortcomings of our democracy, but we have at least a modicum of it. And we have to defend that because if we don't defend that, there's no way that we can fulfill our mission as democratic socialists of expanding that democracy beyond the very limited scope it's at now. That is the ultimate vision of democratic socialism is to democratize society and create economic and political democracy. We want to do away with things like the Electoral College. We want to do away with things like gerrymandering. We want to do away with things you know, like voter suppression, uh, first-past-the-post elections, you know, Citizens United, and also away with capitalist oligarchy and all of that. We want to do away with all of it and radically democratize our society and our communities. But we can't do that if we allow our democracy to fall to a coup from someone like Donald Trump. I have said that it is important that when we defeat Trump, we cannot allow ourselves to go back to square one where we at where we were at four years ago. But the thing is, 
we run the risk right now of it being even worse. And I want to make it clear here that I'm not saying this because I think it is imperative that Joe Biden takes takes the White House or that Joe Biden becomes president or something like that. I don't think that Joe Biden is going to be a progressive champion. I have no illusions about that. I don't think that we can trust Joe Biden you know, any more than we can trust really any other liberal because really you can only trust a liberal as far as you can throw them. Uh, and frankly speaking, I don't put one ounce of faith in Joe Biden. He's a centrist liberal. He was probably my last pick of all the Democratic candidates. The only one worse would have been Michael Bloomberg. But the thing is, this is not about Joe Biden. This is about fundamentally protecting what little democracy we have in this country from an authoritarian demagogue like Donald Trump. And, you know, I would be saying the same thing pretty much regardless of whoever the Democratic candidate was. If it was Bernie Sanders, I would be even more emphatic about this point, because if Bernie was the nominee, I would expect that the institutions would actually be even more likely to try and prevent him from taking office if he won the presidential election. But that's beside the point. This is where we're at right now. Joe Biden isn't a radical leftist. He's not going to implement anything that is on our agenda. He is not going to promote a Green New Deal. He's not going to push for single-payer health care, despite what the Republicans like to say, which, you know, I wish I was living in their universe sometimes, in which the radical left ran the world. But the reality is, we are not... But the reality is, Joe Biden is not what this is about. This is about fundamentally protecting what little democracy we have in this country and maintaining it so we can build upon it so we can build beyond it and that's what the point of democratic socialism is if we do not mobilize and organize in the weeks ahead of this election and in the weeks after we are going to lose everything because that's what's at risk right now they say democracy is on the ballot this november it is but even more importantly democracy is in the streets and so we need to be there we need to be in the streets we need to be fighting on November 4th and every day after until we get this madman out of the Oval Office and then we can go back into our real spot in the opposition and oppose Joe Biden. Because that's what we are up against right now. We are fundamentally going to have to fight to defend what little democracy we have in this country from a coup. And there is historical precedent for this in the United States before. There's only been one coup ever on U.S. soil. It was during Reconstruction in North Carolina. And we are facing a similar prospect of it right now. That one was successful. We cannot let this one be successful too. So on November 4th, be organized, be disciplined, be prepared, and get out into the streets. Mobilize every group in your community that is willing to stand up for democracy and get out there and fight. Because that's what we're facing right now. Well, that was depressing, uh, but, you know, I think it's a necessary warning for this. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You know, I think that the message was more urgent than ever, but, you know, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out my YouTube channel. The next part of my French election series on my YouTube channel will be coming out soon. If you haven't seen part one, definitely be sure to check that out. I've been doing a little coverage on the upcoming 2022 French presidential election, so that'll be very interesting. And if you like what I do here on my podcast, and if you like what... 
I do on my YouTube channel, please be sure to share, share and support it by going to Patreon and donating a little money if you can. I could really use the support. Thank you so much, and as always, solidarity.